praise God. Isn't it wonderful when we read the names and the titles of our Father, of our God, how life-giving and soul-restoring it is. So wonderful. Food to the soul, as they say. It's great. Thank you, Valerie. I just want to add my appreciation as well just for leading us this morning. And it's great to have your family all the way from the Seychelles. And it's lovely to have uh, uh, Suzanne's parents here as well, joining us all the way from South Africa. Welcome to you guys as well. Praise God. Just before we come around the word, let's just bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we want to thank you that your word is life-giving. It is soul-restoring, Father. It is, Lord, honey, Lord God, to our taste, Lord. It is sweet, it is beautiful, it is glorious, and we thank you. Thank God that we have the wonderful privilege of gathering around your word, Father, of gathering around, Lord, to see and to behold more of you. And Father, as always, just as you inspired, Lord, the the writers of your scripture, Lord, and as it spoke, Father, to those, Lord, many moons ago, Lord Jesus, we pray, will you once again today, by your spirit, will you speak to your people this day? Will you break open the word and divide it among your children, Lord, and give us this day our daily bread, Father? For we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Allow me just to begin with a couple of quotes and see whether you can guess where they're from. Is that all right? Okay. I like your Christ. But I do not like your Christians. Because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can. And finally, and for good measure, play is going to play, 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 play. Haters are going to hate, 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 hate. Shake it off. Shake it off. Now, did anyone get that final one there? You mean to say we don't have any Taylor Swift fans in the house this morning? Maybe that's a good thing. Did anyone get the first two quotes? No? The first one, yes, David, was Mahatma Gandhi. And the second one was from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Well done, if you got them. Now, as you know... Over the past few weeks, we have been looking at a few of the one another commands in Scripture. And can you remember what they were? Test time. Love one another. Stir up one another to love and good works. And then last time we looked at carrying one another's burdens. Now... All of these commands relating to one another are all pointing us to and shaping us to become more and more like Jesus and to become a person of love. Because the crux of Christianity and the heart behind the message isn't for us to be able to dot every I and to cross every T when it comes to all things theology, morality and ethics 
And neither is it for us to have overinflated egos or visions of grandeur where we look down on others as if we are holier than thou. No. But rather, the telos or the end goal is for us to become more Christ-like and to become a people of love. That as we take our Lord's example and as we build it into our lives and as we gaze upon the beauty and upon the splendor of our Lord that we become a person of love. Because after all, that is the sum total of our faith and it is the true measure of our discipleship, is it not? So that said, and to conclude our series, today we will look at the topic of peace and harmony. And so I've entitled this morning's message as simply, Live Peaceably with Everyone. And if you have your Bibles with you, then please open up and come with me to the book of Romans. And we're going to read from chapter 12 and verses 9 to 18. And it reads, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply. As brothers and sisters, take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peace, live at peace with everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now the book of Romans is probably the best theological treatise on the good news of the gospel. As contained therein, we find the glorious doctrines of our salvation. Namely, the doctrine of justification and sanctification. And the great truths with regards to Israel and the Gentiles and how we have all been grafted in to become one in Messiah. And all of these wonderful truths are all moving us towards the heart of the matter. And that's what we find here in Romans chapter 12. You see, many assume 
That by the time we get to chapter 12, that it's just an afterthought. Because the real meat and gravy has already been served up in the previous 11 chapters. But that's simply not the case. Because the whole purpose of the Apostle Paul writing this in the first place is to call believers to be and to live in a certain manner. Which is why Paul begins this section with the connecting word of therefore. In other words, after telling us what God has accomplished for us in the previous 11 chapters, therefore dedicate your lives to him, verses 1 and 2. Use your gifts to the fullest extent, verses 3 to 8, and begin to live like this, verse 9 and onwards. And so, the last few chapters of this book, isn't an afterthought, but rather it is the real message of Romans. That in light of what Christ has done, live and be like this. And it is all rooted in verses 1 and 2, namely dedication. In that, we are first To give ourselves to the Lord. Then we are to give ourselves to one another. The church. And then we are to give ourselves in the service of our Lord. Wherever that may be and whatever that may look like. Amen. Now. Some scholars tell us. That verses 9 to 21. They're like concentric circles. That however many circles you have, they all share the same centre and the middle. For instance, verse 9, it begins with the individual, the child of God. From verse 10, the circle widens slightly to include the saints, the children of God. And then from verse 14 and onwards, the circle widens even further to now embrace everyone, even those who may seek to do us harm. And so, just like a ripple in a pond, which starts off small and then gradually moves open and it gets bigger and bigger, likewise, verses 9 to 21, they start off with the saint and then they enlarge to encompass and embrace everyone and the circles that I would like us to hone in on this morning are the circles of those who are inside and who are outside of the household of faith because after all Christmas is rapidly approaching and soon yay we hear and soon we will be rubbing shoulders with everyone within every circle. And so, and if the saints, unless we have the Christ on display through our life, our words and our deeds, the world will sadly miss the Christ of Christmas. So let us seize every opportunity to introduce to some and to present to others the Christ in us who is the hope of glory. Colossians 1, 
27. Amen. Now, as we go through this chapter, Paul highlights a few key distinctives of the Christian. Or if you like in business terms, the USP or the unique selling point of the Christian. And there are a few. And first up, we are purveyors or people of peace. Now, what kind of peace are we talking about here? Is it the kind of peace that was around during the 60s, where it was all about hippie love and psychedelics? Where it was all about just people high on marijuana and mushrooms in the era of flower power and the like? Answer? No. I'm glad you guys are with me. (laughs) But rather, it is a different kind of peace. Now the word for peace in the Hebrew, as you know, is the term shalom. And in the Greek, it is the term irene. And it essentially means wholeness and completeness. For instance... If there is a breach in a wall or there is a huge gaping hole in a fence, then shalom will be missing. And it will only be restored once the breach or that huge gaping hole has been filled or sealed. Shalom could also refer to a person's general well-being. For instance, when David goes out onto the battlefield and inquires after his brother's well-being to see if it is well with them. 1 Samuel 17, 22. And so, the notion of shalom is that life is complex. It is multifaceted with a number of moving parts and each part has to fit together and work well together. But if a component is missing or is out of sync and unaligned, then shalom breaks down and peace is removed. And so, to shalom as a verb, it means to restore, to make complete and to make good on what's missing. And when we have this peace... And when we become a people of shalom, it is then that we are able to do what Paul calls us to in verse 15. Namely, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Which, by the way, is another USP or a distinctive of the saint. Praise God. Now, all throughout this series, we have seen how we need one another. That no man is an island by themselves. But we are all reliant on one another. In that we are interdependent. You see, there is dependence, which is what babies are on their mothers. Then we have Independence, which is what teenagers like to think they are when they reach a certain age. And then we have interdependence.
dependence, which is what a society is upon one another. Take, for example, bread. How we all rely on the farming community to plough the ground and to plant the crop. And when it's ready, we rely upon the logistics community to process it, to bake it, and then finally to distribute it around the country. And then we rely upon the shops and the supermarkets to fill our shelves, all so that we can enjoy our tea and toast for breakfast in the morning. Am I right? So to repeat, one person is not an island by themselves. But we are all interdependent. And when an industry or each person plays his or her part, it is then that we have true shalom in its truest form and are able to live peaceably with one another. When I was growing up, I would often hear certain people philosophizing. And they would say, when you laugh, people will laugh with you. But when you cry, you will cry alone. But I'm so glad that I'm a part of a church that has each other's backs. That when one weeps, we weep together. When one rejoices, we rejoice together. It's like the last time I spoke, I was feeling a little fragile because my grandmother had passed away during the night before. And so I was not in the right frame of mind. My mind was all over the place. I arrived here in the morning and Colin and the others prayed for me. And I tell you, the Lord gave me grace. I knew his presence and his comfort at another whole new level that I hadn't known before. And I thank God for you guys, for the church, who could weep with one another and rejoice with one another. Isn't that glorious, that we can be a part of one another? Praise God. Now, speaking of rejoicing, whenever I see our dear brother John, who's leading for us this morning, he will often ask, a question and he will say something like tell me one thing that has happened during your week that I can rejoice with you and I love that question because it causes me to reflect upon my week and when I share something he genuinely rejoices with me it's written all over his face and it is such a blessing And it's biblical. Because when we apply the scriptures like that, we actually move God's word out from the ether down into our neurobiology. From our heads down into our bodies as well as our hearts. Because believe it or not, the word wasn't given to us to memorize for a test someday. No. But rather... The word was given to us to live out and to apply it to our daily lives. Because anyone who hears the word and fails to do what it says is like a person who looks at themselves in the mirror, walks away and forgets what they look like according to James chapter 1. 
Amen? And so, after the service, go up to someone and ask them John's question and say, tell me one thing that has happened to you during the week that I can rejoice with you. And let us build good relations and let us foster shalom. Anyone? Praise God. Now, if that's the way of peace and harmony, and that's the way that we are supposed to be with one another, why don't we? Genuine question. A couple of reasons. Firstly, because it seems that not many people have peace within themselves, let alone with anyone else. And secondly, because we are all to some degree battling elements of pride, arrogance, and even, dare I say it, narcissism. Which is why Paul, aware of our fallen condition, he gives us a few do not statements in verses 16 and 17. As in, do not be proud. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And do not repay anyone evil for evil. Because you see, if we are proud, then our pride will blind us to keep up with appearances, to keep up with the Joneses, as it were. And unwittingly, we will step onto that relentless hamster wheel of trying to win the approval and the applause of others and to be admired by them, which in turn will perpetuate more pride and stimulate more competition. And the cycle continues. And in the process, we will overlook or we will step on anyone who doesn't quite fit our paradigm. But more importantly, we will forfeit the way of peace. And if we are wise in our own estimation, then we will look down on and despise those who don't measure up. And in the process... We deceive ourselves and we will become an intolerable person. You know the one that no one wants to be around, right? What's more is if someone does us a wrong turn, as it were, our bruised ego will demand payback because our pride will not allow us to settle or rest until we have settled some scores because that's what pride does it's the opposite of humility and the way of peace and all of these pride arrogance and payback are all ugly traits and far from the usp or the distinctive of the christian and that is why Paul has been laboring throughout this book to lay the Roman road as it's been dubbed. Namely, that all 
have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And that God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. You see, before we can live peaceably with anyone else or even have inner peace for ourselves, we must first make peace with God by coming to the foot of the cross in repentance and faith and laying it down before him. And as we do, it is then that we are no longer objects of wrath, but we are hidden in Christ, in God and in the beloved, and we are saved. Praise Jesus. And that is why the birth of our Savior is announced with the arrival of Irene, or peace. That at Christmas, the angels declare, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Luke 2.14 Because this Savior... He was born to shalom our fractured union with our creator. And that is why the prophet Isaiah, he could look down the corridors of time and he could say, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace and shalom, there will be no end. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. And because of who he is and what he has done, he now calls us to follow his lead and to live peaceably with everyone, including our enemies. Wow. Now, I don't know if anyone remembers the tragic case of Amber Geiger, who was a police officer in Dallas back in 2019. But after a long shift, she returned home to what she thought was her flat. But actually, in effect, it was the flat of her neighbours. And seeing a man in her living room and assuming that he was a burglar, she pulls out her gun and tragically shoots him. Later, she realizes that she had mistakenly taken an innocent life. Just awful tragedy. Then as the trial played out, 
Everyone was left in further shock when Brant Jean, the victim's brother, publicly said that because of his Christian faith and the faith of his brother, he doesn't have any ill will towards her, but he forgives her and then he urges her to call on Christ. And then he asks for the judge's permission to hug her and as they do, she breaks down and sobs. And everyone looking on witnesses the power and the grace of Christ working through this young man. Because we are not called to be overcome by evil. But we are to overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21, another key distinctive and USP of the same. Coming back to verse 17 and very briefly. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. And then it goes on to say, give careful thought to do what is honourable in everyone's eyes. Now, to give careful thought is summarised in one word and it is the word pronumenoi, which is an interesting word. And it means premeditate or consider in advance or plan the callous or the good and the honourable thing. For instance, if we have premeditated our responses, then when someone cuts us off on the road, say, instead of us waving our fist and blowing our horn, we will hold our peace. And if they show us the middle finger, we will just bless them in Jesus' name. In other words, if we have considered our response in advance, then our reaction will not be off the cuff, as it were, because that may not necessarily be the right reaction and may, in effect, make a bad situation worse, right? So don't allow the sin of others to produce sin within you. But hold your peace and let it return to you and bless them in Jesus' name. It's like that scripture which says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34. In other words, whatever's on the inside, when the pressure is applied Whatever's on the inside will come out. It was said of the saints of old, like Bunyan and Spurgeon, etc., that they were so filled with the scriptures that you scratch them and they would bleed Bible, or you squeeze them and you get Jesus all over you. And so, let us also hide his word in our hearts, that our response also will be Christ-like even on the roads of Harlow. Amen? (laughs) Now, I know that there will be times when we will want to live in peace and harmony with others. But others, sadly, may not want to. Or they may despise us 
because of our allegiance to Christ. And so no matter how hard we try, they continually reject and refuse our pleas for peace. And that is why Paul, aware of this, includes this little proviso in verse 18. And he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, as far as it's on you and as far as you are concerned, don't let the, conf- the conflict or the contention come from your side. But raise the white flag and hold out the olive branch and do everything you possibly can to foster good relations and to live peacefully with others. However, if there's no give or no bite from the other, then as long as your conscience is clear before the Lord and you have no malice or hate in your heart, release them to the Lord. And as you do, also release your hurt and your wounding and your resentments. Hand them all over to him and harbour no bitterness or unforgiveness. Because if we do, we in effect give the enemy a seat at our table. And I tell you, unforgiveness is a gateway or a doorway to the demonic And you are opening yourselves wide open for the enemy to come in like a flood. Which is why Paul says elsewhere, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no place and opportunity for the devil. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Amen. So live peaceably with everyone. And that includes our brothers and sisters in the faith as well as those who do not know the Christ as yet. And never be the reason for an unpeaceful relationship with another. But if you have an issue, and I know it takes two, swallow your pride, hold out the olive branch, and go and make it up with your brother or sister as far as that depends upon you. Amen. You see, Christmas is almost here. And once again, we will have the opportunity to demonstrate the true spirit of Christmas, or should I say, the true spirit of the Christ That as we come across people in our families as well as our lives, those who look like us as well as those who don't, let us spread Christmas cheer and let us become peacemakers and peacekeepers wherever we go. Amen. Obviously, true and ultimate peace will not be realised until the Prince of Peace returns. But until until he does, let us not give anyone any reason ever to say, I like your Christ 
but I do not like your Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Let us never be accused of such a thing, but rather let us grow in more Christ-likeness. And as we love one another, serve one another, honor, encourage, and exhort one another that we will demonstrate the king's kingdom and in the process we will become more and more like our rabbi Jesus. And so, this Christmas and beyond, let us live peaceably with one another and with everyone. Let's pray. Just in this moment of silence, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. But if there's anybody here this morning who doesn't know this peace that we have been speaking of, who's tried to pursue this peace through other means, but hasn't yet attained it, it's because perhaps you may be looking in the wrong places for this peace. And if you're here this morning and you do not know the Prince of Peace, if you do not know the Lord Jesus, then I want to encourage you to come and seek us out. Seek one of us later on afterwards and we would love to speak with you on that. Also, I want to speak to those who, I don't know your situation. The Lord knows where you're at this morning. Whether perhaps there's beef, there's something in the way, there's some blockage between you and the Father or between you because there is somebody else or something has happened and you've fallen out with such and such. If the Spirit of God has been moving on your heart and you know that there is something there in your heart that you need to to release and relinquish, I want to pray with you as well. Release that. If you feel that nudge that there's something there I need to get right, I need to settle, then do that. It's going to spend a moment in silence. There's nothing going to happen but just you and God, wherever you're seated right now, just bring that person before your mind or that situation or that colleague or that boss and just release them. Say, God, I want to be free. I don't want to be held or captive to all these things. I'm just going to just take a moment. It's a holy moment between you and the Father. Thank you, Lord.
Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we were objects of wrath. That God, that the peace, we didn't know any peace, Lord God, until you stepped in, until you came and you, Father, stepped into that chasm and you brought reconciliation, restoration, shalom in its fullness. And my Father, I am so grateful, Lord, for what you have done. And we thank you that, God, that as, we, as Christmas rolls around again, that we are reminded that, Lord Jesus, you came, God, and you put on flesh. And you moved into the neighborhood, as it were, God, and you became one like us. And we thank you that you became our peace. That when you died upon that tree, you took everything away, Lord God. All of our guilt, our sin and our shame. And Lord, you restored our union with you. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that as we, Father, as, as you have taught us to pray in the, the Lord's Prayer, to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord Jesus, we relinquish and release those, Father, who may have hurt and wounded us, Lord God, over the years. Whatever barbs may still be sticking into your children's hearts right now, Lord God, we pray that, Father, as they confess them, that, Lord, that you will remove the sting in the barb, that lives will be set free. That, Lord, you will bring transformation, Father. That we will go from one degree of glory to another. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are shaping us and you are molding your bride to look and to be more and more like your son. So, Father, we give you all praise and we give you all glory. We pray, God, that you will come by your spirit, Lord, and continue to mold us and shape us. That, Father, that just as a silversmith puts the silver into the fire and keeps taking it out and doesn't know when it's ready until he can see his own face in it, God, we thank you that that's what you do with us. That as we face trials, as we go through all sorts of things called life, that, Lord, you are shaping us until you can see your son within us. And so, my Father, I pray, God, Lord, that you will continue to hone us. Lord, shape us to become more and more Christ-like. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.